This week on Ultra 64, we are playing our very last Nintendo 64 game, and we're going out with a banger because it's Tonic Trouble. Tonic Trouble! <laughs> We got a big topic today. I, I do. I, I do have to. I have to bring it down for a second. Oh, yeah. I have to really. Sure. I need to get on my soapbox. I don't usually do this. Okay. I don't like to get political no, on this no. show. Uh, but one in four Americans mm-hmm. suffers from tonic trouble Ooh, these yep. days, yep. and the the gaming industry has been almost completely silent on this. <laughs> so it's about time. So <laughs> it's an epidemic, and I'm finally glad that there's a game right here that addresses the issue, and half the proceeds for this game go to addressing victims of tonic trouble. Very I think nice, that's a really nice. cool thing, despite anything else we say. Uh, we, know, we just you know. know that we we take tonic trouble seriously. We do. And we, we might do. make some jokes about it because, you know, we're a silly podcast. But we but also, know that it comes from a place of love. And you, I uncle, suffer from TT. Oh, yeah. you yourself. Yeah. Oh, okay. You myself. I've, I've, I've gotten past it. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah, TT affects everybody. Uh, As and, a yeah. TT survivor, you can attest to that. And I, I've been fortunate <laughs> to have avoided it thus far. But who knows? It can all change at a moment's notice. You know, yeah, and, it, it's going around right now. And so. I, too, would actually like to bring the podcast down a of little course, bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I'd like to apologize to the listener because I felt like it was kind of a dirty trick we did to like leave this game for last because like <laughs> I know that there'd been a lot of people requesting it like it's yeah. sort of one of the big three games for the Nintendo 64. It's like this Space Invaders and Mace the Dark Age. Yeah, the big which, three, mm-hmm. which is why we spread those out. And it's like those TV shows where like it ends and they're sort of like dragging you along with this cliffhanger and we you know the podcast was because clearly an inevitable that was the only way we could pe- keep people listening is we're like don't we worry we'll, we'll make it through perfect dark and we got tonic trouble coming like, like we'll oh, suffer God. through mario 64 but eventually we'll get to tonic trouble and it just it felt a little dirty to keep it all the way to the end here you know but i i think it works i think it's just smart programming you know yeah. we got to keep people coming back we got to have them listen to what they want and what they desperately want is Tonic Trouble, the game. <laughs> the Tonic Trouble, the game. The that game. everyone Yeah, wants. not to be confused with the debilitating illness no, that uh, afflicts no. many, such as my co-host Steve here. Also not to be confused with the documentary about the falling apart of the band Tonic from the late 90s. <laughs> like, sure. It's, it's, uh, you know, it, it was a sad story. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad those guys are okay now, but, you know, they had some real tonic trouble. Also... How long can we keep this going? How many also, different ways can we make fun of this title? Not to be confused with <laughs> Rayman 2, The Great Escape, because Definitely let me not. tell you, I got this game confused with Rayman 2, The Great Escape, uh, for and, probably years, and I bet many other people did, too. And I think playing this game for minutes will dispel you of that concern, of that of that confusion. I mean, they pretty look pretty similar. Sure, like They sure. look about as similar as a game can look without being fear of like legal reprisal sure yeah <laughs> but they know, were made by the same company they were made so by the like same that's company, not gonna happen same but guy, like so it is just kind of an extension it's like when universe. john fogarty got sued for sounding too much <laughs> like himself <laughs> exactly yeah 
All right, well, let's talk about this game a little bit. Tonic Trouble was released August 31st, 1999. It was developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft, and it was also released on Windows and over in Europe on the Game Boy Color. Huh? So, yeah, like you said, this looks a little familiar. This looks a bit like Rayman 2, and that is because <laughs> this is from the same creator, a guy we talked about at length in that episode named Michel Ancel, French developer who has made some really great games over the years. Uh, hasn't made a lot of games. <laughs> and Tonic Trouble. And Tonic Trouble is also a game. Uh, so this was kind of set to be his big follow-up to the original Rayman. Okay. So that came out as a launch title for the PlayStation 1. Beautiful-looking 2D platform. Beautiful game. A solid hit. Like, everyone everyone likes Rayman. Yeah. Uh, and then this was going to be... <laughs> that, that was why they... That was the premise Rayman. of the sitcom. <laughs> I got no arms. <laughs> <laughs> finally, all of my impressions have been Ray Romano impressions, and finally I get to do an actual that Ray was, Romano impression. Pretty, oh, I just really I enjoyed that. I'm sure that I that got some comedy real trouble with my tonics over here. Existed like I'm sure if we time traveled back to the year 2000, to the, um, <laughs> that was like a bit in like the back of GamePro or something. But it's right for a comeback. <laughs> yeah, they, they <laughs> the crossover Rayman Two. Bring it back. Yeah. Bring it back. So, yeah, this was going to be his first entry into 3D gaming, and it was going to be uh, kind of a showcase for the Nintendo 64. Okay. Uh, this was the first game by the studio Ubisoft Montreal, which is now one of the biggest gaming studios in the world. They oversee Assassin's Creed. They oversee Watch Dogs, Rainbow Six, wow. Splinter Cell. Like They oversee a bunch of franchises like I don't care about. Sure. <laughs> like, but I, I I, mean, I'm playing uh, Immortals Rise of the Phoenix right now, mm -hmm. which is a game by them. It's it's quite fun, you know? So they're a big deal. Far Cry, that's another one they sure. do. They, all all they, of Ubisoft's <laughs> hugest franchises. I, I don't know. Montreal. I feel like the recurring theme for all of these were games that they kind of just made into, like, I don't feel like people were like tremendously excited, but they just decided these are franchises now. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're going to buy them every year. Keep you're going to enjoy them. And then eventually people were like, oh, yeah, you're right. We will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I hear the new Watch Dogs is fun because he. It, but that whole... was another thing. Like, no, I don't know. It was just like all of a sudden people were excited about Watch Dogs as a thing. And Which then, I've never played. Yeah. I've never, yeah. But yeah, then they're like, yeah. okay, now there's a new Watch Dogs game. And you're like, when did the cult for this game like build up when did people get excited and they're like no they just made it happen it's kind of one of those games that like it sells crazy well but you don't really know anybody who loves it or right. really super goes to bat for it sure. like assassin's creed was like that for a while i think there are kind of more like, yeah they definitely like turned fans. a corner on it yeah but. yeah but there was a point like i remember i bought the first assassin's creed and i'm just like i don't like this sure. i'm gonna keep playing it and then buy the sequel yeah and buy <laughs> all the 10 games you gotta let it yeah. the next 50 maybe it'll really sink in by then i mean to be fair it did yeah by, yeah by the 100%. second game it settled in like the first game is shitty well, but it's the like game on it it's like in. on rotten tomatoes where like pretty much every tv show that runs like three seasons mm -hmm. all the critics are like oh, it really gets good in the second or third season. It's like, yeah, that's because you kept watching it. Like, you yeah. already liked the show, so you're giving it a good review. Yeah. Like, the people who didn't like the first season, like, didn't review the second season because they stopped watching it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's rare that a show is like that I'm, I'm going to watch in the first season, not like it, and then go back for the second season. Yeah, like, exactly. I need to hear, like, from multiple people that it's, like, Parks and Rec was that situation. Sure. I didn't like the first season, and then it got good after that. But it that, has but the, the most beloved character there. The Rec, yeah, yeah, my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so, uh, yeah, this was the first game by Ubisoft Montreal. The development for this started in 1996. Okay. Uh, and they got kind of the full 
hype machine of Ubisoft behind this one. They really wanted to make. I remember this, kind of this the next game being thing. previewed for so long, yeah. and I think that's why I really got confused in Nintendo Power because I think this game was previewed long before Rayman Two was sort of a thing. Yeah, and it has the same design of like, oh, this is a cartoony platformer with a main character who has arm or hands and feet, but, but no, no arms and legs, no limbs. Yeah, um, and that's just such a very specific quirk of a character design yeah that then when like sort of the marketing budget shifted over to rayman 2 i'm like wait isn't this the same game like haven't they been previewing this for a really long time it just occurred to me there should be a vr rayman game because you're already like oh, your hands are already sure. separated you know yeah i don't know anyway <laughs> i've been playing a lot of vr lately um Oh, excuse me. I'm making loud, gross noises with <laughs> my face. Yeah, but this was a, like a hugely ambitious, like early project. This made the cover of EGM. This made the cover of Nintendo Power. Like they were hyping it up. The original title of this game was Head, H-E-D. Okay. Uh, which I think it's one of those things. It's like it's an intentional misspelling that like just doesn't make sense. And it irritated people. And also there's a mildly sexual connotation. Sure. Like, Mom, can I go to the video game store and get head? Yeah. Well, like, well, okay. Maybe, maybe when you're older. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, people were confusing it with the monkeys movie from the 60s. You head, are referencing which, like, a lot of things that I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Wait, have you not seen Head from the Monkeys? Oh, no. my God. That is your movie. <laughs> okay. A thousand percent your movie. I'm, I'm going to insist you watch that movie. Because okay. uh, right. we just we just talked about El Topo on my other podcast. Yeah, we didn't if, talk if, enough about El Topo. Can we spill over and talk about El Topo? more right now as can we talk about el topo trouble yeah exactly i think, I think uh, so sure. there's this mysterious man in all leather with no arms but hands and he's carrying a naked <laughs> let's say carrot i will say if there was one guy who was going to adopt uh adapt tonic trouble into a film yeah. i feel like jodorowsky would do a pretty good one yeah well, like, most definitely most definitely because this game is fucking bizarre like it's, you're you're, you're Fighting vegetables, but they're led by a Viking and a pharmacist. Yeah. It, it, it very much feels like... The dream team. Yeah, you yeah. described it as like... Uh, much the way George Lucas names Star Wars characters by kind of just looking around his room right. and finding things to name them after. Uh, a lot of characters just definitely feel like someone had made a mess in their office and was like, uh, how about a suitcase with a dust buster. And a tin can for a head. Yeah. Yes, as I sit here eating peaches with a feather duster eating off my desk. beans out of my can because I am a hobo slash game designer. <laughs> anyway, so the, yeah, yeah, like you were saying, like this game was sort of in... I don't think it ever reached the stages of development hell, but no. maybe like development purgatory, like where the uh, it was like an unbaptized baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the unbaptized baby of uh, French video game production. Sure. Or French Canadian, excuse me. So yeah, it, this was a big uh, uh, kind of being hyped up on all these different magazines. Uh, it went through seven different titles because okay. they just couldn't really settle on one. They finally uh, relied on a fan contest to actually name the game. They settled on Tonic Trouble, which really still doesn't tell you much about how weird it's a this much game is. much better name than head oh definitely um and it's it, also ed weird. was another title it was just gonna be ed but again that's just seo on that sure. is horrible how about ed's head ed's head <laughs> ed's head would be a better one yeah, yeah. but except you're not in his head oh so it yeah just, it still doesn't make sense um I don't know. It's also very odd that they were able to drum up enough excitement through a fan contest for a game that had not come out yet. But I guess that's that's true. Of they'd yeah. be able to do that now. It just 
So, I mean, this was supposed to come out, this this made the cover of EGM in early 97, and it was supposed to come out December of that year. Okay. So this was being positioned as Ubisoft's big holiday game of 1997 for the Nintendo 64, but it missed that deadline. It got okay. pushed to early 1998, and then it missed that deadline and got pushed again. I think it wound up getting pushed a total of five times. And that's so crazy. And, like, this is the same thing. It is, I mean... To, to make this sort of more timely, like, it kind of reminds me of Cyberpunk 27. Yeah. Like, in the sense of, like, this game is, like, full of the ability to customize your genitals. Uh-huh, and it's absolutely. huge in scope. Keanu Reeves is in it. Yeah, yeah Keanu Reeves yeah. in it. All these similarities. <laughs> no, but what I, what I mean is, like, they had this date, and they kept pushing it back. And when you play this game, it still feels unfinished. Yeah. And it's super glitchy, and you wonder how they ever thought they would get that first date in the first place. Like, what... You'd feel like if you're announcing sort of a game finishing point, you have to like have it at some state of like being finished where you could see like, oh, yes, we fixed these things and then we're there. Like we have an estimate of how long this is going to take. Right. And then when you're like, oh, no, we're going to add two years onto that. Yeah. And it's still not finished. You're like, well, what stage was it in when you announced it in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Did you just have like some you know, basic art and premise that was going, we have Keanu Reeves signed in, we get we get a release date. That's yeah. all it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm wondering, I think they just had some ideas that were bigger than the Nintendo 64 was capable of. One of the early features <laughs> this was supposed to have was four-player really? co-op. Four-player sure. co-op, I think, would be really hard to pull off That would be That would be hellish. At this time. I, was there any... Did we play any games that had four-player co-op? No, no, no I don't think okay. there are any. Like, on, well, yeah. Most of the games that had two-player co-op were borderline unplayable. Yeah, it and became very difficult. 40 Winks, actually, um, one of the weirder games we played, uh, had a two-player co-op in sort of this platform mode, and that was that was a very difficult thing to do. It was, and that was one of the better ones, sure. like, uh, in terms of like how it was co-op Yeah, I mean, was it's like you know? it worked the way it was supposed to in the sense that you could sort of both run around, but to play a platformer like this that's very much built around accurate jumping and like being able to see what the hell you're doing, yeah. this game... To play this at one quarter the screen size would just be hellish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I imagine one quarter the frame rate. And you also have to keep in mind that the the production lost its kind of driving creative force. Michelle Ansel, okay. who was developing Rayman 2 kind of simultaneously. The idea was to kind of daisy chain tonic trouble production into Rayman 2 production so we could just keep going. But as this one kept getting delayed and dragged on, he had to leave to go focus on the game that he's a little more passionate about and more indebted to. And that turned out to be a far, far better game. Yes. But yeah, so that kind of left them without uh, a a little directionless as they were going on towards the end of production. It finally came out in August, late August of 1999, almost two years late, and it lost its holiday slot. And now it's in like... August to September is kind of when you dump your bad movies and your bad games because mm. kids are going back to school. No one has really time to play games or watch movies or anything like that. So this is where you kind of sneak your shit out okay. to hope to recoup some of your losses on it. And I, I, I didn't even remember that this game existed. Like, cause I remember yeah. seeing so many previews for it, but then never ever hearing anything about it actually being out. Yeah. So I just assumed it was kind of vaporware that never went anywhere. Right. So I was kind of a, excited to finally get a chance to play this game because I that had never happened it was yeah I I had seen so much previews of it I thought I had played this game yeah yeah once the game started and you were sledding on your butt down a mountainside I was like no I've definitely never played this yeah yeah completely it's it's uh 
I don't know if we could debate whether or not it would be better if it wound up just being vaporware. I don't know. Sure. I don't. It may not be that bad. No, we'll no, see. definitely not. The one thing I do want to add about Michel Ansel, because this has been updated since the last time we talked about him, is that he has retired from gaming. He's not developing games anymore because he and his wife are focusing on uh, starting a wildlife uh, preserve. So pretty cool. Yeah. He he claims uh, that he's still working on Beyond Good and Evil 2, or he was <laughs> until he left. He claims it's still happening. Sure. We'll see. With any luck, it'll turn out just as good as Tonic Trouble. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if it's going to be a similar situation. All right, so I copied the manual or the plot from the manual here because uh, I, I do love it when there's kind of poor English in here yeah. as well as uh, some wackiness. So sure. From the manual directly. Sploosh. <laughs> uh, since uh, I think the, the show Archer has reclaimed that word oh, in a different sure. connotation. Uh, one little spill and the earth turns into a complete mess. Ed, a friendly, careless alien, accidentally dropped a mysterious can of tonic onto Earth while attending a scientific exploration of the galaxy. Upon hitting the Earth, the tonic can's contents unleashed a series of bizarre mutations affecting humans, plants, and animals alike. Snow-capped mountains began to rise out of nowhere. Oceans appeared and disappeared. Rivers filled uh, with a fruity punch. (laughs) And plants and animals began metamorphosing into strange and dangerous beings. Home Home on his planet... Ed is ordered to repair his blunder and is sent back to Earth to retrieve the tonic before it provokes new disasters. But the tonic has fallen into the hands of a brutish, shiftless ruffian, giving him great powers. This lowlife cretin named Grog the Hellish (laughs) has declared himself master of the Earth. Ed will need all the help he can to get out of this tonic trouble. To remedy the ecological disaster, Ed will have to explore weird worlds and accomplish perilous missions. Ed will encounter sometimes uh, encounter and sometimes fight loony characters, including killer vegetables. <laughs> Good, as long as they're loony. Uh, the only, and, those are the only characters I want to fight. <laughs> exactly, we need them loony. No, no wacky characters. Ed's tiny space capsule has just landed on Earth. Ed sees the incredible transformation that has taken place and finds that Grog is in possession of the tonic can. Oh, Ed, you've really done it this time. So it kind of repeated itself, too, because it's like... <laughs> It's like, oh, he's found this can. Now, oh, he just landed on Earth, and he finds out he has the can. Oh, And definitely really in the opening cutscene, there is no evidence that he goes back to his home planet. He no. kind of just drops the can from his spaceship, and then immediately things fall apart on Earth. Let's. I want to talk about sort of the science behind this a little bit, because it yeah. seems uh, specious. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Um, because this is one... This is about a can of soda-sized can of tonic, uh-huh. like your your Barks root beer or whatever. Yeah. Um. And before he drops it, he's just sort of he's like your space janitor, your uh, Roger Wilco space quest type. Sure. Um. And he's just sort of cleaning up the storeroom, and he dr- he drinks a little bit of this tonic before accidentally dropping it out the window. Question is, why do you have a window on your spaceship? But um, you know, wackiness reasons. And so, like, I get that he is an alien, but the amount of power that must be encased in whatever this tonic is, is does not seem like any alien slash living body could contain this amount of power because one can one can spreads throughout all of earth instantly instantly and instantly mutates and creates sentient vegetables through everything and yet somehow he just drinks it as a type of refreshment. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he just must be like, he must be like the Incredible Hulk. He's just like pulsating with energy. I'm, I'm going to um, just assume that like his alien DNA is like processed differently. And maybe this is just like a normal can of soda for him or something. Okay. But like, yeah, he in the beginning, he drinks it. He doesn't like it. He spits it out. It makes the screws on the floor come to life. And then the can falls out of a okay, uh, manhole that, that opens from that. Sure. And like... Yeah, it, it 
but immediately, like you said, we don't really get the sense that like he goes back to his home planet and then comes back. It's like he's in the ship and then he's heading down to Earth. And in the meantime, all these different things that have come back to life have developed societies yeah. and like revolutionaries and like different. Well, I mean, very understandably, the vegetables are like, hey, we're sick of being eaten all the time and yeah. we're going to fight back. And what better way to fight back than to take this leader of this angry mutated Viking and apparently is second in command who's a pharmacist and yeah. manufactures other tonic. It's just, it's such a weird, this game has such weird and inconsistent designs of like, okay, because you're, you're saying that it's on Earth, like sure. as a start. So why and are it's you- it's a wacky Earth. Yeah, yeah it's but a wacky it's a wacky, yeah, sure. It's, or zany Earth. It's a loony, it's a loony Earth. Zany. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah loony. It's like, why are your only human characters a Viking- um, pharmacist a pharmacist because it's like right there what what the hell's going on like that scientist <laughs> a mad scientist who's a very sort of uh back to the future type but another another issue i had the mad scientist no lip no uh arms or legs mm-hmm. he he has the same like ed ed your main yeah, yeah, alien yeah. has the rayman thing where he's just the the hands and feet and most and the human characters have arms and legs yeah so you're like okay this is his alien trait but the scientist no arms and legs yeah. And it's really, is he going to secretly be revealed to be an alien later? I don't think or so. Or is it just like, this is a universe where no one has arms and legs? But they don't because the Viking and the pharmacist do. That's okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what true. I'm saying. That's it's true. like, I thought it was a humanoid thing that they do have them. And then there's the uh, doctor's sort of sexy daughter. Yeah. Who's yeah. uh, like black and white for some reason. Or <laughs> like kind of black and white. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. In order to, and she kind of is the one who sort of pushes you along on your quest. But it's just like such a weird amalgam of ideas. And what you're doing is you're fighting vegetables yeah. through most of this game, like mutated vegetables. And but then you'll but then, like you said, you'll fight a suitcase that yeah. has come to life. <laughs> and sometimes like everything has come to life. And that doesn't really convey like but, if it, you're going to do level, that, like go really weird with it. The mountains are alive. Mm-hmm. The rivers are alive. Like everything's alive. Yeah. And your first level is in sort of a volcano. And yeah. like that feels so traditional, like what I I would love to be like, okay, what would work here is to be in a more urban area where like buildings and mailboxes and like you said, everything is alive. Or like but, a farm with all mm-hmm. these vegetables. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But to just be like, oh, you're just sort of in a volcano. That looks like any video game level and the rocks are not alive, even They're though not. your assistance to go like run and testing. check one out <laughs> just to make sure. Yeah, um, it was one of the, it's one of those games where you can't tell if it's like a rock or a switch or like a platform yeah. or something. So you got to stab on it. Sure. Um, but it's just like, you. it's simultaneously this very weird idea that you want them to, that they just go very over the top with, but don't explore enough as well. No. Like, you know, like uh, Ansel said he was inspired by Day of the Tentacle for like his design, which sure. you can see in the colorfulness mm-hmm. of it and like so the the overall silliness oh, and the things that are alive that shouldn't be alive. That's a good game. Oh yeah, yeah, that one's a delight. But like... <laughs> It, it, I agree. It's kind of too many things going off and too many. There's no cohesion. Yeah. It's like yep, we're just yep, yep. throwing weird ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks and nothing's really sticking. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. And and then it just brings up all kinds of troubling issues. So the first thing you do when you land on Earth is Ed meets this uh, uh, Agent XYZ yeah. who has a great design. He's yeah. like a guy hidden behind a newspaper with like holes cut out in it. So I really you can like just his see his design. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's unclear. Like, his design is fun because it's unclear if there's actually a guy hidden behind it or yeah. if it's just a sentient newspaper with eyes. It's great. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that was my favorite part of the whole game is the design of that character. Yeah. But, like, he enlists Ed with help, like, 
he specifically tells you that he wants you to stop vegetable activists and stop the vegetable revolution. Right. Which I think that phrasing of it made me feel icky about it because I'm like, all right, so you're a space janitor and you're immediately conscripted by the U.S. military to hunt down and kill these things that are trying to like form their own society in order to life. not be eaten. Like, in order to not be eaten, like, like it's a very like, reasonable request. Yeah, yeah. So you're just trying to like make things go back the way they were, but like having this government agent pulling the strings made me feel a little icky about well, it. Well, the problem is too, like things at this point can never go back the way they were because you realized that these vegetables have been self-aware yeah. through this whole time that they are food and have been eaten, and you know the next logical extension is that they feel pain and yeah. you're like shit. What do what what is going to humanity going to subsist on now? Yeah, like, yeah. What are we going to eat? You just eat you know? rocks, non non sentient rocks. Yeah, or grass. It doesn't seem like the grass is sentient. Oh yeah, it's true. <laughs> it doesn't seem to. And the water is made of fruit punch. Yeah. We know that. Sure. Which I was not reading that as fruit punch. Well, I thought that was the tonic, which is also very weird. Is yeah. I thought that the tonic had infested all of the water, but then it says that it's fruit punch. No, no. Yeah, know. it's just got kind of the swirly texture to it, like it's all like psychedelic or something. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I don't think we've even really touched on what this game is. This game is a 3D platformer, yep. like, uh, all, like many like, all good games like, are. like many games on the N64 were, uh, and like many games on the N64, uh, we're struggled with the camera on this one. Oh, man, uh, it was hellish. It was real bad. I would say it's. N I think the nadir of like bad 3D platforming cameras is still Starshot. Maybe, uh, but I this one's not that much. Well, better. see with Starshot. I remember, like, the first world of Starshot is sort of this very open beach level. Yeah. Where you kind of just run around, like, on docks, and it still has some definite frustrating jumps. But the first level here, well, the very first level, which was pretty cool, actually, was you drop down on a sled, mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of like Mario sliding down the hill on his butt. Yeah. Um, and that was, like, a cool, exciting way to start the game. It was kind of like those sort of, weird levels that you'll occasionally encounter in Rayman 2. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, is this game going to have a lot of these kind of things? And that it's about a four-minute level or something. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you're sort of put into the hub area. Um, Which isn't clearly defined as a hub area. That's the right. that's kind of the problem with it. Like, there's well, so, not like, really... That's what I was going to say yeah, about, yeah. like, the camera here is this game has so many more confined areas. Like, your first level is in this volcano where you're doing a lot of, like, jumping between floating platforms over lava. Yeah. Where, like, Starshot had a bad camera, but you would fall down, and your punishment was just you had to sort of go back up a little bit. Yeah. Like, here, you're just dying a lot because the camera is so, so shitty. Yeah. And it just... It, it, it had been a while. I had forgotten about this as just a general frustration of just the constantly spinning camera. Yeah, the, and how, how few... Again, it really makes you appreciate the, the developers that got it right on the yeah. N64. It really makes you appreciate how... Because it's hard. Like, it, uh, clearly, it's very hard. Sure. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, the hub world doesn't really look like a hub world. Um, no. Which, which is odd. Like, this game is very segmented in a very confusing way. Like, the actual areas that you play in are very small and yeah. they all have these sort of teleportation gates um that will just you sort of just get one challenge at a time you're like okay you're in this area and you jump around through six platforms uh -huh, uh -huh. or you're in this area and you fight a cob of corn by reflecting his corn back at him yeah it's very odd and then then you immediately get into the next teleporter that takes you to the next area it maybe it is a symptom of uh this game's starting development so early in the Nintendo 64 lifespan. Yeah. They're like, oh, 
we're not sure if we can have it handle all of this sort of level at once, so we're going to split it up. Yeah. Whereas we know that it can handle a perfectly fine size level all at once without having yeah. to break it up. That's um, the thing. Yeah, I think I think mm-hmm. the delays really kind of killed this in the long run because this was supposed to predate Banjo-Kazooie. Right. I feel like if this did predate Banjo-Kazooie, people might remember it a little more yes, fondly. Yes, no question about that. Uh, yeah, but it also, you know... They would certainly, I would say more accurately, they would remember it, period. They would remember like, it, period, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of the problem they ran into. So like any good platformer, you need to collect a whole bunch of goo-gahs and gee-gahs. <laughs> This time, they're very random. Like Yeah, much in the lack of cohesion in all aspects yeah. of this game. So Ed's health bar is a thermometer, which doesn't really make sense for any of the themes going on here. Like, why would a space alien have a thermometer? Yeah. And so your health, like, to recharge that are little drops of mercury that look like little silver balls all over the stage. Yeah. Like... I guess I don't really understand uh, where that came from or how that ties into the overall theme of fighting living food. But also, like, you collect things called antidotes, which just look like spirals. And then the what do those do again? They like they. I don't even, I don't even know. It said it, it, you get 160 of them, and it helps. And you, you'll like, be immune to the tonic. But oh, you I were guess already you already immune to the tonic because you were drinking it at the fucking beginning of the game. Yeah. So is that? I think that's the thing. I think it's you need to collect 160 of these things to fight the final boss. Oh, or something? sure. Like it's a Donkey Kong 64 kind of overly complicated way of and approaching then, that. And then you collect thermometers themselves along with the mercury. That I think if you get. I think they said if you get 10 of them, you'll get either an extra life or your max life will increase. Right. But it increased when you got seven. Right. So I don't know why it was a thing on 10. And then you can collect Ed's heads, just uh-huh. these spinning golden heads that are extra lives. And then you have to collect springs, which are your jiggies. Those are your jiggies, yeah. Why springs? Like, I guess because they make the docks machine. Yeah, so it's not going to be springs the entire time. Oh, okay, okay. You collect those six springs, and then he'll be able to make, like, a pogo stick. And then you have to collect six other items, and he'll make you uh, a bow tie helicopter thing. Okay, got it, got it, So there are are upgrades that you can get throughout. So we, we played this for a little over an hour. It was probably... 30, 35 minutes before we got an attack of any kind. Right. And it was a stick. Uh, that was ultimately the weapon we got was a stick. Uh, it took a very long time for us to get it. How do, I forget how we got it. But like, oh, yeah, we have to, the, the way we had to defend ourselves in the meantime is by finding these special machines filled with Newman's own brand popcorn. And we, we got to one of these machines. Yeah. And I was like, hey, look, that looks like a Newman's own stick like symbol. And yeah. you're like, Oh, it is Newman's own. They have a deal with this game, and you blew my mind. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. was just like, it just kind of looked like, it, it, you know, any sort of specific small symbol on like a corner of an N sixty four game is going to be impossible to decipher because it's like very tiny. So you're just sort of yeah. seeing this outline of what kind of looks like the Paul Newman face yeah 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 um, but they actually have a newman's own license they actually so, was so weird i i thought this was just for the pc version because that came with a coupon for like a free box of newman's own microwave popcorn <laughs> uh but no that made it into the n64 game as well sans coupon uh bummer because i would have liked some delicious tasty sure. popcorn uh but yeah, it, it, I, again, I'm bumping into the conceptual ideas of this. Eating this popcorn turns you into Super Ed, which makes you look like Blasto, yeah. and you can walk around and, and, and sort it of all, slap and kick things. It, it lasts only as long as it needs to to complete a task. Like yeah. it's not really timed. It's like, like the it, first time you get it, you're like, oh, now you can bend these bars to get into this door, and then it'll revert. Or yeah. like now you need to beat this room full of enemies, and then it'll revert. You know. 
but conceptually, I'm not really understanding why popcorn would make you super strong. No. Also, like, why are you eating pop? I mean, there, there's you're fighting corn, and then there's there's some corn, but it's also carrots and other things. Like co- the corn is not like a big enemy in this game. Sure, there is corn that you fight. This game is madness. Which like. I- also, why is the corn hanging out in a volcano? Yeah. Because when you beat it, it falls in the lava and turns into popcorn, which, which you can't eat. Al- but it should have already been popcorn because it's only hovering inches above the lava in the first place. Well, yeah, because the, the fume should have gotten that. So is it the power of Paul Newman that infuses you, yeah. infuses you with the strength? Also, as far as we know, Paul Newman, not a playable character in this game. Not a playable character, <laughs> which is bullshit because he's made one and only one other video game appearance, and that was in Cars, and he oh, was probably sure. playable in that. For all I know, sure. uh, but yeah, the, the yeah, I, I think that's the point where I'm like, all right, yeah, the the popcorn has broken me. The, pro- the this, this is where I I no longer I can't do it with this game. I don't understand yeah. what it's trying to make me feel like. Because even cartoons have internal logic. Yes. You can say you can point to it and say like, well, why are you analyzing this? It's all supposed to be wackety schmackety and like just kind of crazy randomness. But Bugs Bunny has an internal consistency, yeah. like. South Park, internal consistency. Every cartoon, like even as wacky and silly as it gets, they have their own ground rules. And Tonic Trouble just kind of doesn't. Oh. It's kind of just everything. Nothing matters, and everything matters. And and that's why I stepped on the rock because yeah. I don't fucking <laughs> that's know. That's true. The rock might be sentient and carry you to that secret spring. Yeah, yeah. It's just like fighting vegetables. Good idea. Like the sure. moment where the corn is sort of yelling at you, and then there's a fun part where I, of course, beat the corn and then stepped in the lava because the camera's terrible. Yeah. And then when you respawn, the cor- the next corn is like, "You beat my brother, but I will be back." Yeah. Um. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Should we take a dog break? Yeah, I'm gonna pause real quick to uh, yell at the dog. Sure. Your dog's internal logic. Okay, we are okay. Uh, we're back from dog break. Sorry sure. about that interruption, folks. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, Tonic Trouble, uh, number one game on the system, I think, is what we were trying to. Oh build yeah, that, to, that was right? where we that was where we left. I it. think that's where we were kind of. Okay, well, up let's to. say let's say some nice things here. Yeah. Um, which is, I like the way this game looks. Yeah, it, yeah, I actually do. It, yeah. it, it, it's colorful. I think it, like, the enemies for as consistent, inconsistent as sort of their existence is. Yeah. They look the way you would expect, like the, in the animate. Ca- corn cob mm-hmm. um is very emotive and ed himself is also very emotive he has a big uh big set of teeth he'll flash at you when he's happy yeah he does not uh i don't know he does not have any voice acting and the first sound he makes is a uh wall when yeah. he uh gets the stick and you're like well is ed asian or does he just enjoy imitating kung fu movies yeah like, I, it's a very weird choice to yeah, make yeah I, I think that's what he was going it was for kind of Gex Gex esque. Wow, that's a hard one to say. Sure. Um it was it was just an odd thing of like why should Ed be like if Ed is an alien, why does he care about these things? And why yeah. is this the sound that he chooses to make? Yeah. Um, all right, I'm done saying nice things about the game. Yeah, look, it's, it's very, it's very colorful. It's... I like that everything has big googly eyes, but like, yeah, like I said, the internal consistency falls apart. Like later you're fighting like a bean pod that's for some reason throwing like white, white explosives yeah. at you and not, not, not like, green peas you would think he's throwing peas right yeah. but i guess he wouldn't want to rip out his innards and sure throw but them. again but why would that would be, if you're already in the cartoony world that's what you want to go for you don't want to be throwing white bits and like yeah the the music i want to talk about the music really briefly yeah because 
I'm I've always been sensitive to music and games. Like I remember sort of more than anything, um, for as scary of a game as I found Ocarina of Time, I think ninety percent of that was from the music, especially yeah. in like the Shadow Temple. But like um the music here is so unbelievably lifeless. And you said this right sort of at the beginning when you were going down, sliding down the mountain, and it's playing like this kind of fun, uh, jaunty piano music, but you're like, this music feels like it's missing a few layers. Yeah, like, yeah. It just like, there feels like there's an extra step of energy here, like this sort of banjo flair from Banjo-Kazooie, or just like little flourishes that sort of make it distinct. Yeah. And that problem really comes to fruition later in the game where it just becomes kind of, noodling like yeah, sort of yeah. just lifeless lifeless noodling and there's just so there's very little that sort of has this effect of making me feel crummy playing a game than just lifeless music does it's just kind it of just like feels this very sad it's like watching pornography with the sound off it's this like it's, listless kind of car sicky kind of like sensation you know like you're a little bored you're a little frustrated like you're not at ease it's just like it's it's like thrumming underneath everything that you're doing, and it's just kind of yeah. I, I likened it to like uh, it's it's the auditory sensation of your hand falling asleep. Yeah. That's kind of what yeah, it felt like to me. That's a very good way to put and it. And like that's that's what I'm sticking and e with. And even the sound effects, like very weird. Like um, there's a scene. Yeah, you have to fight this peapod by like lighting a flame behind it. Yeah, and it just feels. It's just kind of like ah. Like, yeah. it, it's just super quiet, and you're like, did that work? Did I do it right? They forget There's, sound effects a lot of the time. There's not a sense of, like, that anything sort of clicked and that sort of sense of satisfaction. And that's just a recurring theme here. It's like, for the good ideas and neat things that this game has, yeah. it all just feels so unpolished and glitchy. Like, yeah. the camera is already bad, but so many times you'll jump at a platform and you'll kind of just get stuck on the edge. Like, Ed does have the ability to grab the edge of platforms, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, but, like, so many times you'll just sort of be walking towards it and just caught on the corner, and it's just it's frustrating. Yeah. And like, we were talking to the doc, and his face was just kind of glitching in and out of existence. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. strange. Like, from what I understand, the PC version of this runs and plays much better than the N64 okay. version, at least going off the reviews at the time, yeah. which were pretty night and day. It's like... PC version is like a solid B, B minus. This one's like a D, D minus. I mean, I know. would say like the, I, I'm sure that is true, but the, I think another advantage that a PC version would have is it's not competing with tons of great, great platformers. That, That's the thing. Not a lot of PC platformers, uh, especially like of this ilk, you know? So yeah, this could have stood out there. And mm -hmm. I think it, it sold like pretty well on that platform. It okay. sold a million copies total uh, between both. So I mean, they made their money back, but nobody loves it. Nobody was clamoring for more tonic trouble after this. We didn't care about Ed after this. <laughs> no. Yeah. Ed's uh, dead. Also, weirdly, not the first Space Janitor game that we played on this show. What Remember the, the other, other one? Viscera Cleanup Detail. Oh, well, we, yeah. But I that mean, was, that wasn't an N64 sure. game, but sure. we did play two Space Janitor games on this show. Well, I guess Space Quest is the next game we're playing, right? That's true. Yeah, we got it. There's got to be others. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we have anything else about Tonic Trouble? Well, I... It's a game that feels like it would have been close to being at least an average game, but is very much dragged down by just sort of lack of polish and bad camera. And like oh, I yeah. said, it's always very weird when a game gets delayed. It, it seems consistent. The games get, they get delayed four years are usually like the most unpolished. And oh, you're yeah, like, yeah. what were you doing all this time? 
Well, you know, it's it's a too many cooks kind of situation. Yeah. It's you know, yeah, the longer you stretch it out, the more you brain shop it or brainstorm it and workshop it. It just kind of too many cooks it, can spoil the broth. It falls apart, yeah. and then like Snarf comes in and it lasts <laughs> for like eleven minutes. It's this crazy serial killer guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, Tonic Trouble, bit of a mess, but. It's our last mess. Amazing. It's our last Nintendo 64. I'm, I'm glad. Mess. I'm glad that this was the last game that we ended up playing. Not because I'm glad to be done playing in 64 games, no. but I feel like this is pretty representative of a lot of the Nintendo 64. Unfortunately, like yeah. Sort of aping things that did it better, and just not quite knowing how to use the hardware, and no. feeling sort of very glitchy and unpolished but still looking very colorful sure right? yeah very colorful lots of lots of weird shit going on a lot on of traits in the n64 are present here well let's add this to our rank let's yeah. close out the list oh my gosh uh, number 297 let's on our list take of 297 breath. games this is gonna be the last time we're adding any game to this list wow oh big heavy sigh yeah yeah, yeah. um you want to start us off? Sure. All right. Um, I did not like this game very much. It kind of it what? Was, yeah. Oh, no. zig and zag. Huh. This was kind of one of these games that my just playing it, my soul just got kind of tired as we went on. <laughs> you were yawning a lot. I was not energetic coming into this for whatever reason, <laughs> but uh, just that sort of noodly background music and just very frustrating camera really dragged me down. Yeah. I think the bones here are okay, but yeah. it just needed to be a more polished thing. Um, I'm putting it at number 238, oh, wow. which is right under Starshot. Oh, um, damn. Yeah, that, that's, 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 that's a little... Starshot's uh, fired. Yeah, well, I think it's worse than Starshot, um, just because as sort of weird as that game was, that game I felt... What did feel more consistent in its uh, in its logic? Of yeah. Like, hey, we're French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the logic. <laughs> that was the logic. Um, yeah. And it just didn't find. I didn't find it quite as frustrating, even though <clears throat> um, it is maybe a less inspired game. Okay, fair, fair. I, I think I'm coming down a little lighter on this game than you did. Not much lighter. <laughs> it's uh, number two. <laughs> 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 Fuck you. Uh, this is going to come in at number 210 for me. So that's going to be right below Xeno Warrior Princess. And so just to be clear, that is still pretty low at this point. Oh, yeah. If, <laughs> Once uh, you're past two, the 200s, look, you're not recommending it to anyone. Yeah, I yeah. don't think there's anything in the 200s I would want to play again. Um, except for Xena. Except for Xena. Yeah. With Xena, and that, even then, like, that's... that's sure. Everyone acknowledging that it's a really bad game, sure. but it's just got some kind of funny elements to it. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, this got a couple of points for its clever design, I think. Uh, and I, I liked the audacity of kind of just dropping you in on a snowboarding level before yeah. you even teach you the basics of the game. And you got you. I'm jealous that you got to play that level because that yeah. seemed like far and away the most fun level. Well, yeah, like, I was already I was thinking like, wow, this is controlling pretty tightly. There's all kinds of different like little secret routes and everything like that. And then it's it's over in three minutes and, and you've just got the rest of the game from there, which is less inspired and vaguely racist in some weird ways. Uh, but I did love that newspaper guy with his googly eyes. Sure. So uh, four stars is what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. out of 10. You want to spin off with just that guy. I do. Agent XYZ, a yeah. whole game of that. All right, that is the list. Uh, so me. All right, so don't go anywhere, everybody. I know you're 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 itching towards that yeah, unsubscribe people button. People are just turning off podcasts right now. Good, we made it. We listened to Tonic <laughs> Trouble. We know where it went. We we have we have some letters, and we also have some business to talk about. So yeah, like we said, let's talk about business right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we said, this is the last Nintendo sixty four game we're covering. We do have one more episode coming next week. About the Nintendo 64. About the Nintendo 64. That's going to be where we are. Uh, I've, I've aggregated our two lists to create one master list 
of Nintendo 64 rankings, and we, we're going to go we, through we, that we, entire we will, thing. But we will conference first. We, 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 we give ourselves permission to move stuff around. Yes, I think yeah, that yeah, yeah. You can go on our. You can go on the website. You can look at our own personal list. That yeah. is that is set in stone with all the mistakes that we may or may not have made. Yeah, yeah, be yeah. It rating Pokemon Stadium very low or Turok very high. Yeah, whatever it might have been. But um, our aggregate list um, is going to be the true definitive list. Yes. that is not uh, so based on our personal tastes. And uh, we will work through that together. Uh, mm-hmm. That's coming out next week, right? Yeah, that'll be next week. Okay. And then we're just going to kind of, you know, flick all the lights off on the sure. N64, kind of recap everything that we've talked about. Hey, and, Steve, uh, what's, what's that outside your window? It looks like a wee you wee <gasps> The ambulances are coming for me, <laughs> finally. <laughs> it's, it's dropped something out of the back. I'll be right back. Run, 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 run. Wow, those are good. That's good Foley work. Yeah, and it, you're carpeted. It doesn't yeah, work yeah, yeah. for my Foley. Anyway, look, I brought back something that fell out of the ambulance. It's a dead console. Whoa. It's the Wii U. We should probably report that, right? No, let's keep it here. Wait, do you just keep things, the dead things that fall out of the back I, of the ambulances? I do, but don't, oh. don't tell anyone. Well, Weird. you have that collection of all the Wii U games, sure so do. now we can actually play them now that we have a console. Well, finally. <laughs> oh, my God. Ambulance. That's amazing. Yeah, that, so that's pr- really fortunate that that ambulance with the faulty latch just drove by. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So now we have a premise for our next podcast. Wow, that's amazing. So, yes, you're going to want to stick around. We're going to, uh, after next week, we're going to take a couple weeks off. Just to kind of, uh, you know, take our victory lap, take a little time off, and, we, and just we gotta get caught te- up on We got to tease it a little bit on you. You've, you've gotten got to, to listen it. to us for y- literally years. <laughs> yeah, literally years. Three three years. Uh, three years plus. So I think we've earned like a couple weeks off. I think so. We have not missed one week. We've <laughs> yeah. never missed a week in three years. I yeah. think that's pretty impressive. That is pretty darn impressive. Uh, so definitely tune in next week for that. Uh, and for, we also for, for, for yeah the definitive for the, for the wrap ranking. Up, for the wrap then there'll up. be a yeah a couple weeks off, and then we'll give this Wii U thing a try. Absolutely, yeah. So we're that, we're, we're not s- going anywhere. That's staying on the same feed. Just, yes, yes. To be clear as well, so just stay subscribed, and then um you'll be there'll be new content. Yeah, and yeah. if you're a Patreon subscriber, which I encourage people to do, Patreon.com/slash/Ultra64Pod, we are going to keep episodes going in February, so you're not going to miss out on anything. Yeah, I think there. there'll be another uh, Game Boy episode. So that that will be, be another Game Boy. That'll that's tr- coming out this month. Yeah, that'll be truly your last gasp to hear us talk about N64 stuff. That, yeah, this that'll this... be the rule when we talk about Wii U is you can't mention anything on Nintendo 64. God fucking it, whatever, help you. Yeah, if you say an Nintendo 64 or reference Mario 64. If you even bring the word Nintendo yeah, to me, yeah, I exactly. will spit in your eye. You get, we get a high-voltage electroshock. Steve and I will both be attached <laughs> to high-voltage machines like in that episode of The Simpsons. Exactly. Or we'll do that uh, improv game where they walk around with a bunch of mousetraps. Exactly. Nice. We're going to do it. Um, all right. So one other thing we want to talk about before we get into the letters so uh, over the course of the show, we've accrued a lot of uh, spare cartridges that we are not going to use. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about over the course of the show. I had them I think before. you had a lot of them before. Yeah. I have, I've accrued a couple of bonus. You've accrued like, extra actual ones. games people want. I've accrued a bunch of copies of NFL Quarterback Club 98. <laughs> so we decided that what we're going to do with some of these cartridges, rather than throw them in the garbage, <laughs> we're going to give belong. them to you people. Yeah, then you can throw them in the garbage. So, uh, what but they'll, be, they'll be signed. They'll be signed. They're hosts of That's Ultra the thing. We we are going to send you uh, signed copies of uh, mostly NFL Quarterback Nine Club ninety eight, <laughs> but we have a couple of other There's random sports games in here. Copies of NFL Quarterback There's Club so many sitting there. I, I'm I'm gonna level with y'all. Most of the games you're gonna get are shitty because uh, they're just mostly sports games. But we're peppering a couple of good ones in there too. So yeah, there's a, there's a Jet Force Gemini I see, a Turok two. Yep, yep. Um, there's a Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey, yeah. 
And for one lucky person, you're going to get a copy of Kirby 64, the, shadow, the Crystal Shards. Yeah. So all you have to do to qualify for one of these uh, cartridges while they last is go to at Ultra 64 Podcast on Twitter and send us a tweet saying your favorite moment of the show, your favorite game, or just send us a, send us a nice thought. Uh, send mm-hmm. us something like that. And uh, DM me your uh, address, and I will mail you these cartridges that we, we will mail sign you for you. One of the cartridges. We will. Right. We will mail you one. Yeah. To be clear, everyone gets one. Limit one per yeah. uh, per applicant, and, and you, it's going to be pretty random what we get yeah. what we give out. Um, so you might get really lucky and get a Jet Force Gemini, or hey, you might get likely... really lucky and get an NBA Hoops. Yeah, right? yeah. That's not even a real game. What game is that? Is that yeah, NBA Fox, Jam 19? Oh, that's Fox, Fox Sports. Sports College Hoops. Okay. Yeah, if yeah. you're really into Brett Favre or John Madden, you're going to be happy. Yeah, we got a bunch <laughs> of Maddens in here. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe you'll score with a uh, Kirby 64. Literally, we're asking very little of you. We one will sentence. we will pay the postage. Yeah, one <laughs> send send one sentence. Just say like you know what uh, favorite episode of the show, favorite game that we've talked about, or or, or even some nice memory. Even your favorite favorite N sixty four memory from your own life. Yeah, just tag tag uh, Ultra sixty four on the uh, on the twits. Absolutely, use hashtag Ultra sixty four. Send it to us at uh, at Ultra sixty four podcast, and we will send you a cartridge. So and what uh, I will say too is this is you were totally you will get a cartridge regardless of if you do this or not. But hey. Why not leave us a review? Leave us a review. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We like. We're those. we're not bribing for reviews, but we no. can always use more reviews. They're good for the show. Yeah, you're just a just a reminder out of nowhere. Um. All right, let's move on to our letters here. Uh, we've got a couple of very lovely ones from folks today. Excellent. And if you want to send us a letter, if you have any other Nintendo 64 related content, this is going to be your last chance to send it in. Or if uh, you really want to get on the ground running with Wii U related content, please, yeah, get yeah, your letters get, right in at the beginning. Jump in on that. Yeah. Uh, the first one starts, Dear Woody and Steve. Hello. I only discovered your awesome podcast a few weeks ago, and given how much 2020 sucked, it was a fun podcast to end the year listening to. Nice, thank you. So far, I've listened to and enjoyed the episodes covering all 18 and 64 games I've owned in my lifetime, <laughs> including the surprisingly, surprisingly the obscure but sort of fun Super Bowling by UFO Interactive. Yeah. I would, I'll counter on the Super Fun, but yeah, it, it was. Uh, uh, well, he said sort, said sort of, of fun, fun. Excuse me, which we yeah. will also counter. I will counter that too. <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, with not fun. <laughs> uh, I have two questions and apologies. If you've already answered these in some form before, it, it would be a lot to ask that listeners listen to every episode before they write us in any Take questions. detailed notes about <laughs> yeah. what questions we've answered. Uh, so the release of Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu slash Eevee uh, last mm-hmm. year got me thinking, how good do you think Nintendo 64 versions of the original Pokemon Red and Blue would have been? While Pokemon Stadium was great, I think a hypothetical full Kanto Journey game would have been cool. Yes. And would love to hear your thoughts and if you do agree or disagree. Uh, I think I agree. I, I think that would no, be cool. it would have been great. Like they could have ha- they could have handled it no problem. The fact that I'm, you know, I kind of just turned the corner on Pokemon recently in terms of being bitter about it. Yeah. Once because like Sword and Shield came out, like it had been so long that like they had released console Pokemon games and none of them were like the game that you wanted, like the Game Boy game yeah. on a console, and you're just like, okay. Now you're releasing for this for the Switch. It's finally going to happen, and it was basically like the 3DS games. Yeah, which you know are good and fun, but I'm like, okay, but that's this like, is clearly a conscious choice that they're never going to change this. Yeah, it's and, one of those things. It's like they they gave us what we were asking for. It just happened so iteratively that we kind of didn't notice. And then when Sword and Shield came out, it's like, yeah, it's like you said, this looks like the 3DS game. But really, the 3DS game looks like we wanted. 
a 3D Pokemon game. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. But you just you kept I kept thinking feels, that like this is gonna be the big turn where Pokemon really becomes huge and like well, I mean Pokemon is already huge, but like oh, the yeah. scope increases in, in some huge way. And like, like a no, full open world Pokemon yes, game. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so I think that, and yeah, just tracing all the way back and thinking like Pokemon Stadium, for whatever, you know, I feel about Pokemon Stadium, like that, a disappointment of being like, oh, this isn't really a real Pokemon game. And like, how awesome would it be if they had these Pokemon in a 3D world that you could actually go on the adventure yeah like and they could they could have done it like they could have yeah. i i'm i'm still holding out hope that we'll get kind of like a breath of the wild style uh oh, take it'd be, it'd on be so good the pokemon universe like yeah. i think it's great uh the second part of this question was what kind of drinking games have you heard of or do you think would be fun while playing nintendo 64 games oh. i haven't played any myself but i've read online about for about a few for super smash brothers that are bound sure. to leave people hammered by the end of the <laughs> sure. night Thanks, and keep up the fantastic work, and that is from Joe in Oakland. Thanks, Joe in Oakland. Jokeland. Uh, so, yeah, Jokeland. Um, I, 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 I have one. has some, right? Wasn't we... Like, oh, yeah, we've 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 done... Uh, and I don't like the title of this, but we've done Drunk Driving with Mario Kart. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't recommend what, what's, that. What's the premise of that? Basically, it's like you have to do... Uh, you have to... Uh, I forget. The rules vary, but you have to take a shot, like, every lap, or, like, take a okay. drink of your beer every lap, you know, and then the point of the game is you do worse and worse as you go sure uh one i have played that i really enjoyed and i think you can do this pretty easily at home is like this is a good one for four players okay you get two players who are blindfolded and trying to play a puzzle game like a dr mario or a pokemon puzzle league okay and then you have another player shouting directions to them so Ooh. you say like uh down left switch down down up right drop it you know things like that one person is and the other person just has to respond to those commands and okay. then whoever loses has to take a drink. And then the more you play, like the, the worse team. you get. The team, has, the team, to the team has to take a drink. Oh, man. Uh, I like that. It's like, really fun. That's just a good idea for a way to play a game in a different fashion. Yeah, it's it's a super fun way to do it. And uh, just it makes it makes a, a average round of Pokemon Puzzle League super exciting. So, yeah, no, that would be my that'd be my recommend. That's great. That's great. Patent pending if no one's invented. That sure. Uh, all right. Next letter says, hi, Woody and Buzz. That's <laughs> my new nickname now. Man, that... Let me tell you, yeah. through middle school, <laughs> that that really haunted me. Like, it took me a while to sort of actually own up to it and be like, hey, these are cool characters that I'm happy to be associated with. Yeah. But for a while, people would reference it, and it would just fill me with ire. Oh, I, I can understand so, that yeah. completely. Uh, I've been waiting for your San Francisco Rush episode for so long, I've I thought I must have missed it. I've been waiting for your Tonic Trouble episode <laughs> so, so long. long. <laughs> uh, I, I, for so long, I thought I must have just missed it a long time ago and never noticed. San Francisco Rush was one of the games I owned in my modest N64 collection back in the days when I had infinite time and patience, mm -hmm. so I used to be pretty well-versed in it. Yep. I just wanted to call attention to a couple things you may have missed or rather didn't have time to see. Sure. Arguably, the best thing in the game is virtually impossible to experience... Uh, arguably, the best thing in the game is virtually impossible to experience without cheat codes. Okay. You mentioned that there's a lot of fun to be had, but the game doesn't really want you having it. I've decided to call this the Dead Rising Paradox. <laughs> there is, however, a way to break your chains and go hog wild in the city. The game has built-in cheat codes you can enter, many of them pretty wacky, but the most useful by far is the no-timer cheat, which shuts mm. off the race timer, and suddenly it's a completely different game because you now have time to do whatever you want. Yeah. On track six, if you leave the track and go down one of the embankments near the ocean, there's a secret cave that leads to what is essentially a subterranean skate park for cars. It's one giant cavern with ramps and even a loop-de-loop. -loop. 
You can clip the corner of the cement mogul at full speed and watch in delight as your car pirouettes through the air and explodes against the wall. <laughs> of course, that would immediately respawn you back above the ground on the track, sure. but there is a respawn in place cheat that alleviates that. Huh? It's weird, but you basically have to have both the no timer and respawn cheats on or this place is a moot point. The other thing you may not know is that Alcatraz Island is unlockable as uh, as ludicrous as that sounds. You have to win a circuit through which you do this or th through which you do by ah, <laughs> you have to win a circuit by accumulating points accrued based on the positions you finish in a series of races. Oh, also the game has no save function. It's all done with very long passwords if you want to continue Ooh. a circuit later, and that means that the unlocked Alcatraz track only stays unlocked Ooh. until you shut off the game. Ooh. So anytime you want to see Alcatraz, you have to beat the circuit again. Luckily for me, this just meant entering the code for my last race and then missing the first checkpoint to end the race. I, I had Here. enough of a point lead that the final race really didn't matter. I actually used a label maker to document the 28-character alphanumeric code for my final tournament race and stuck it on the spine of the cartridge as a quick reference to whatever felt like uh, checking out Alcatraz again. I still haven't. What a time to be alive that was. Good luck in your future podcasting uh, endeavors. And that is from Dan. Thanks, he says, P.S. I notice you have at least three Dans who write into you. Uh, apparently, we're a significant demographic. For the distinction, I'm the Dan. Demographic. Uh, I'm the Dan that wrote the very long Jet Force Gemini letter. Oh, yeah. Dan. That Dan, was a good letter. Dan is strikes a good uh, balance of being both like ornately detailed, but also keeping it interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, go, yeah. Go, it's very nice to have people who are experts in things that we would never have uh, uncovered. Yeah. And that's. That's that sort of trends with my general theory about this of like, no matter what game you play, there's going to be someone who owned that game with their small collection and they're going to know a lot about it. Yeah. And those were those were legitimately interesting facts. Dan. Those were. So I, thank you for writing in. That's kind and of crazy that they would hide that like so deeply in this game. Yeah. Like you have to enter a code and then go off a track in a certain place and then find a tunnel. And then there's this whole like cool track set up like that's that feels crazy to me that they would do that. Definitely. Um, we have another letter here, uh, dear Woody and secondary host. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about randomizers. Yeah, let's do. Yeah. One of the interesting things about Zelda randomizers is that you can have different logic settings that allow different skill and game knowledge levels. Okay. Let me, I'm going to yeah. back up a little bit. I don't know if you'll get into this here, but like this was something that came up on a pre couple previous episodes oh, yeah, yeah. of someone had written in about randomizers, which are basically like recoding of games so that it puts all the items in different places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, for instance, Glitch will allow you to randomize items in such a way that you may need to use glitches to get some of them. Uh, coupled entrances means that every entrance with a loading screen is randomized, so each door slash area entrance leads to a different area. Ooh. So the Deku Tree in Ocarina of Time might be the Fire Temple, but these are connected. Uh, decoupled entrances means that every entrance is a one-way ticket to somewhere, Going back through the loading zone will take you to somewhere completely different. Uh, so the settings are so granular that you can make it so only dungeon entrances take you to other dungeons, or you can make literally any building or shop also be part of the entrance portals. You can turn off logic so it could be impossible to beat. It's insane and wonderful. <laughs> other games that have randomizers include Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Dark Souls, uh, which are wow. mostly enemy and boss randomizers. Sure. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, but the one that you might be most interested in is the Link to the Past Super Metroid randomizer. A combo of the two games, and there are points in each game that take you to the other one. So Metroid what? items might be in Zelda and vice what? versa. 
So if you want a deep discussion on the world of randomizers, I can go crazy in depth, and that is from a friend of the show, Andy. Uh, so yeah, he's right. I am very interested in that Super Metroid Link the Past one. That sounds awesome. That sounds crazy. It sounds unplayable and like a total mess, and I really want to see it. Uh, so thank you for that, Andy. I appreciate the yeah. That that's all nuts. Like the world of randomizers is very nut- crazy to me. Sure, and uh, I he's, don't know if it appeals to me as somebody who kind of needs a, a linear path. Like yeah. I need I need to, I need to see the end of a game. And you just you you need to really have trust in like there was a creator's hand here um behind it as opposed to just being like this is code that was rearranged chaotically yeah because we had the same problem when we ended up playing rom hacks of like is this gonna work out in the end are we even gonna be able to get through this again now more than like it's crazy how many different ways people play games yeah yeah like i feel like that's another aspect of just sort of going back and playing this uh n64 games on the console and having people write in about sort of their nostalgic times is it's like there was kind of only one way to play games. Yeah. Like yeah. you wouldn't, you're not going to watch people on Twitch. You're not going to be like redoing codes of various games to like, um, you know, have things randomized. But as Dan's letter explored too, people made their own fun and creative ways too. It just you do. wasn't you... as much ways to share them. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I, I really enjoy like reading stuff like that. And one last letter, very brief. It says, hey, guys, I've been a huge fan of yours since the beginning. Your podcast was one of many that helped me get through the COVID-19 shutdown earlier last year, and I wanted to say thank you. My guess is the final game is Tonic Trouble. Yay, Yay. you nailed it. You got it. Have a great 2021, and I'm looking forward to the Wii U library analysis, and that is from Josh, the veterinary gamer. So thank you, Josh. It's very nice. I've kind of forgot that we put out that like, guess what this episode's going to be? Sure. Because then I revealed it on Twitter already. <laughs> sure. Like, but I think jo- Josh sent this before I did Phew. that. Uh, so your your integrity's intact. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Well, goddamn, that brings us to the end of the Nintendo sixty four. Uh, I'm I'm gonna probably be processing more feelings about that next week. Sure. But uh, yeah, so tune in next week for our big wrap up episode. Uh, I'll I'll probably it's be getting a little like, drunk and silly. So yeah, yeah, that's like the culmination of what these whole three years have been about. It's like that movie Boyhood. It's exactly <laughs> like that movie Boyhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. So tune in next week for the ending of boyhood uh, and, and the entrance to manhood, AKA the Wii U. Uh, all right. We'll see you everybody. Stay out of tonic oh, trouble. Yeah. And uh, tweet, tweet ultra 64, uh, at ultra 64 podcast or hashtag us ultra 64 podcast and get a quote unquote, awesome game in the mail. Yes. <laughs> like, we'll even, we'll even uh, customize our signatures for or different messages for people sure. based on, I don't know, haikus that we write on. Sure. Your or whatever yeah, your favorite game that. is. I don't know. Yeah. We'll do, we'll do some crazy shit. All right. Bye, everybody. If you could only see the way she loves me, then maybe you would understand why I feel this way about our love and what I must do. If you could only see how blue her eyes can be when she says, When she says she loves me